But, you know, Pine Street is five blocks away from O'Farrell Street, so it wasn't a big stretch. I think the neighborhood should be from Pine on down, hmm. personally. Okay. Because Lower Knob Hill, is a, it's not really a neighborhood, but it is to some people. But for me, I think the TL really starts that cable car track, to me, now that other people might have a different opinion, really is like downtown. That was actor and Tenderloin resident Ariel Vitali. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, you'll hear from photographers, dancers, doctors, and other San Franciscans telling stories and responding to the question, what is it about this place? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 8, Part 1. In this podcast, Ariel, who was born and raised in San Francisco, talks about growing up in the Tenderloin and becoming a ballet dancer at age nine. Here's Ariel. I was born at Mount Zion Pediatric Hospital in, on December 21st, 1983. Now, I'm not too sure about this, but from what my mom said is Robin Williams' son was being born in the hospital the same day as me. I don't know if that is true, so don't quote me on this, but it would be cool if it was. My first home I lived in for... 13 years was on Pine and Jones in Lower Knob Hill and then things changed quite a bit and I started moving around a lot and I ended up in the Tenderloin what changed? what changed uh, the first dot com my family was evicted so illegally evicted and they actually hired people to live underneath us and make illegal noise complaints to get us kicked out of the apartment illegally. So I went from having a nice family apartment, very big, lots of space, to having to grow up in residential hotels. And how big was your family? Uh, it was four people at the time. So uh, you're, you were a kid. You I was were... a kid. I was 12 years old. And were there other kids? Uh, no, it was my older brother who was 10 years older than me and my mom and my dad. Okay. Uh, subsequently, we ended up at the Cable Car Hotel for three years, mm-hmm. and then to a bunch of hotels in the Tenderloin, and then finally we ended up in a building on O'Farrell and Jones. And that's where, is that where you did the rest of your... Yeah, my, my life. Uh, yeah. From like 15 on. But, you know, Pine Street is five blocks away from O'Farrell Street, so it wasn't a big stretch. I think the neighborhood should be from Pine on down. Hmm. Personally. Okay. Because Lower Knob Hill, is a, it's not really a neighborhood, but it is to some people. But for me, I think the TL really starts that cable car track, to me, now that other people might have a different opinion, mm-hmm. really is like downtown. Mm-hmm. Pine is downtown. I think TL is downtown. I think it would just make things easier. But, right. you know. So Lower Knob Hill, is that the same thing as... Lower Knob Hill, that the stupid-ass tender knob. Tender knob. Yeah, Real yeah. estate, like NOPA, Never. all that bullshit. Yeah. yeah, no. That's... Yeah. You know. So for you, the TL starts at... Essentially at California. It, the TL starts at Post, mm-hmm. to me. Right. But to me, I think Pine Street, to me, it just that cable car, I don't know, it just always has been that way. It's so close. It's Everything is so close together. You yeah, know? yeah. So what was it like... Uh, Growing, I mean, was the like growing up in the tenderloin? I mean, it was great. I wouldn't change my life at all. That's the one thing, you know. You can't, you can't change your life. I have so much perspective because of it. Um, It's not all pretty, you know, when you live in a city. 
I mean, you could live anywhere. You could live in the suburbs and some serial killers roaming around. Like, you know, it's... But definitely the grittiness, like the drugs, all that shit is major part of my life and a lot of people's lives that are here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a child, I was, I've seen some crazy shit, you know, but a lot of city kids have, you know. Sure. But this neighborhood, definitely you see crazy on a different level. Um, I have a lot of empathy towards mentally ill people because of growing up here. Disabled people, people with addiction, veterans, like young people that are lost. You know, I, it just goes hand in hand with. There's a lot of cool artists. There's a lot of cool things still. But you know, the current state of San Francisco is not always great because people are feeling abandoned by San right. Francisco completely. Yeah. Do you think growing up? Where and how you grew up made you an empathetic person? I think I was... I mean, I think you're born with empathy, but also from experiences in life. Yeah, you're going to get more empathy. Empathy and sympathy are different. Empathy, you have to live it. Sympathy, you can sympathize and feel bad for somebody. But to empathize with a human, you have to live that life. I struggled for 12 years with the hardcore addiction. Mm -hmm many things you know and I was rock bottom five years ago and I was rock bottom ten years ago but it just kept getting further and further down um, I'm just I'm grateful to a lot of like Glide Memorial Church helped me a lot with health care and stuff like that I owe them a lot St. Francis friends family mm-hmm. but I get it and when you live in a neighborhood like this it's just like you you see it in your face firsthand. And some people don't get that, though. Some people are disgusted by it. But anyone can end up there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've seen people go from, like, wealthy, like, successful people to being a full-fledged addict on the street. Right. It can happen overnight. It can happen over a weekend. I mean, you just... People turn off and get in their own fucking social media bubble all the fucking time. But, you know, there is life out there. And... That is what I have gained from living in the TL my whole life and Lower Knob Hill my whole life, you know, and in San Francisco my whole life. That's what you gain if you are a kind person. And I, I know it gets annoying sometimes. I mean, I get it. I, I, I get pissed off all the time. You know, you don't, it, we're human beings, you know. Wait, what, what gets annoying exactly? Well, just, you know, it's, it can be very chaotic, you know. You know, not every day you're going to be, like, in a empathetic mood. You're going to be in a shitty mood, and you don't want to be bothered. You know, mm-hmm. I get it. I get where people are coming from. But at the end of the day, all you got to do is perspective and try to step in that person's shoes yeah. and just think. With their, it's not pretty, mm-hmm. you know? Empathy. like we're Empathy, yeah. Yeah, empathize. Um, and ultimately realize that we're all human. Yeah. We're all prone to the same yeah. shit. And there are reasons why people were on the street in San Francisco. It's not... They didn't get bust out here like they want to tell you. These people lost their fucking homes. I believe Jennifer Friedenbach, the head of the Homeless Coalition, with her numbers, 70% are residents on the street. Yeah, people have always been coming to SF to fucking be free to use, whatever. But 
it's not what they're saying. A lot of these people lost their houses to LSX. They lost their house to illegal evictions. They lost their house to illegal Airbnbs. All kinds of shit. They lose their jobs. They lose their jobs. They get addicted to shit. And what happens if you're addicted to a drug and you get on the street? You're not going to get better right. living on the street. Right. What about... Uh, how do you feel about or think about uh, or what's your opinion about kind of the support in this neighborhood for for any number of things well there's a lot of programs there's a lot of programs but there's just not enough there's a huge problem here with drugs and there's a problem with mental illness they need more it's an emergency situation but they're not calling it an emergency Um, and I don't know what more it's going to take for them to start like building facilities for mental illness, building low-income housing, homeless housing. Mm-hmm. They're, they want to build condos in all these great venues. They want to build condos in every great neighborhood and gentrify neighborhoods. And they think that's the solution to the homeless problem. It makes it worse. Right. I mean, every place I loved as a kid and a young adult and as a, an adult are being taken away and now it's hemlock that went i spent so much time at hemlock you know out of control or whatever i still have a great love for hemlock elbow room this is my opinion it's like a wonderful chaos and you see all walks of life you see all types of people all cultures you see people like i don't know i i it's a it's a neighborhood where people can express themselves in a good way, a bad way, an angry way, a happy way, a sober way, a high way. It's just, it's one of the, it's the most, I don't know, there is no tenderloin in every city. This is a very unique neighborhood. And I've lived in New York. My dad's a New Yorker, and they even say it reminds them of parts of New York, but it's just very authentic. It's, it's cool. And, you know, you can meet all kinds of awesome people still. Do you want to talk about uh, how you got started with, the, with ballet in general and, and well, SFLA? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I skipped over that, didn't I? Um, Let's talk well, about it. I was a ballet dancer for 11 years. I studied ballet at San Francisco Ballet School. Starting at what age? At nine, I received a full scholarship through a program in San Francisco called the DIS program. Uh, it's Dance in Schools. And it was ran by a, a, what my, a wonderful man who got me into the arts named Charles McNeil. Mm-hmm. And what he would do is he'd go to all the public schools and teach dance, like mm-hmm. movement. Mm-hmm. And he'd give scholarships to children that he thought had potential. And it was for public school kids who would normally not be able to afford going to one of the best schools in the world for ballet. Mm-hmm. And when I got the scholarship... That was my life for 11 years. Wow. I mean, that was everything to me. Yeah. Had you, is it, is it, what was ballet something you had ever thought about before then? Well, or? I was an active kid. I would like, I could do like a front flip at three years old. Like I was nuts. Yeah. So my mom was kind of probably at her wits end with what, what should I do? So she thought of doing gymnastics <laughs> and then that happened <laughs> or baseball or whatever, but that's what, came about and I 
I took to that. Nice. You ran with it. Yeah. Uh, what was it like doing ballet? I mean, especially at such a young age. Like, Well, the first few years, it's very, you know, minor. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, it's not like a full-time thing. Not immersive. Once you hit about 13, that's when you're there five, six days a week. Wow. I ended up going to independent study in high school. I went to Marina Middle School. Mm-hmm. But once I hit ninth grade, I, that was it. I was at my best at ballet at 15. I had one of the greatest Russian ballet teachers in the world. Mm-hmm. I could have been in a company at that age. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, was, I wasn't like partying. I was so focused. And Russian technique is just ultra focused. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, like, um, when I hit 16, I mean, the late 90s, early 2000s, mid 90s in San Francisco, rave culture was huge. So I had to partake, you know? (laughs) You're being pulled. Yeah, but I still went to class, but I mean, it was just partying hard, going to class, you know? My focus was there, but it wasn't. Were other dancers? Oh, Joining or everyone, man, yeah. except for like you know, the you know, kids that weren't into that. There right. were kids that were real focused. The term is being a bunhead. A bunhead. Bunhead. Okay. A bunhead is someone that doesn't party, doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, just focuses on ballet, and that's it. Mm-hmm. They end up generally turning into the full fledged addicts because they're <laughs> 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 just joking. But they, some people, you know. Like in school, you know, kids that are overachievers that right. get like all A's. Yeah. Well, in ballet, they're called bunheads. Right, right. Yeah, yeah the AP kids. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. When I was twenty, I was asked to leave the school. Okay. Um, I had gotten an apprenticeship to a ballet company, and I just walked away. Hmm. I, I was done with a lot of things. Uh, sorry, what was the school? So, were you dancing for the SF Ballet, or...? I was uh, in San Francisco Ballet School. Okay. I would perform with the company occasionally, mm-hmm. the Nutcracker and, you know, some, you know, side background stuff, mm-hmm. but the goal is always to get into San Francisco Ballet. Mm-hmm. When you're in the school, I mean, that's one of the best companies in the world. And is it, like, an age thing, or is it a, an ability thing, or...? It's pol- it's political. It's competitive. If you know the right people, you can get put in the company for, and they you, you're not good. Really, there are people in the school that were better than principal dancers in the company. Mm-hmm. How's that work? Right, with the last you know right last the name. right fucking people, yeah. you can achieve in a lot of fields. Yeah, uh, because of my partying and this, we didn't hide anything. Mm-hmm. They kept us in the school because we were good. I'm not going to lie, we were very talented, but it got to the point where I think that hindered a lot Yeah. Um, for a lot of my friends, too. They kind of wanted to weed people out. Mm-hmm. But like I mentioned, I did get an apprenticeship, and I just was over with all of the nonsense. Right. And I wanted to live a normal life, I guess, away from ballet. Because ballet is a small world. Mm-hmm. You need to venture out of that eventually. That was Ariel Vitali. Check back Thursday when Ariel will share opinions on San Francisco now versus the 80s and 90s. Music for the podcast is by Otis McDonald. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so please like, share, and comment on our content there. 
All podcasts from seasons one and two are up on our website, storiedsf.com. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. We love feedback, so please send comments and suggestions to storiedsf at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.